I want to um, just like pack as much into this life as I can and uh, be able to relate to as many people as I can. I think the more stories you can tell, the more opportunity you have to find a common ground with somebody else. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, shooters and editors, welcome to episode number six of Blue Ass Water. Thank you so much for coming back week after week. Appreciate your kind souls. This is where we pay homage to the greats while we roast our own creative mistakes. I'm your host, Emac. Like this episode, subscribe to the channel, follow us on Spotify, all that fun stuff. Por favor, mi amigos, gracias. All right, this week, we have a content guru. You heard me, a guru, in my opinion. He's an alumni of Clemson University, a man of my same affinity for life on the water, and most notably, co-founder and head of marketing and branding for Kanga Coolers. Je te présente, Teddy Girard. Teddy, what's good? That uh, intro was poetic as fuck. <laughs> that, that was legit. I don't, I don't know if how long that took you to write, but that was electric. Well done. You know what they say? Everything content media related, it's all about the hook. And for sure, you, you nailed that. <laughs> appreciate it. Appreciate it. I, in, in school, English was one of my stronger suits, uh, as were the creative arts, right? Math though, science, history I was into, but all three of those subjects down the down the toilet right i like i struggled my ass off with those <laughs> were you good at were you good at writing like even when it was a subject that you didn't care about like were you able yeah. to like i can i can crank out an essay wow. it's so funny because like i'm not sure if i ever actually wrote an essay for 50 bucks for a friend you know yeah because like at the time my conscience was like oh no don't do that uh there were some times some instances where i highly considered it but there was maybe a party that night and i was like I don't think I can get this done in 45 minutes. If I had three hours for sure, easy money, but I, I like needed to start free gaming. Right. So yeah, priorities. I, yeah, I was, I was good at writing. I would say it was so funny. It, you know, college is one of those things where you get there freshman year and you have all these kids from all these different backgrounds, all these different educational backgrounds. And so in my English class every week we would um, peer review each other's essays or shorts or whatever it may be. And there was probably, it was a small school, 3,500 kids. And so there was like 15 kids in the class. So quickly you realize who's the better writers and who's like the weakest, right? Oh, totally. And off the bat, I would, me and like two others were yards beyond everyone else. Like there were some kids that their punctuation was off there. They wouldn't capitalize, you know, the first letter of a sentence. I'm just like, dude, this is wild. Uh, dude, I'm always so like... It's just, well, for one, for those guys, just buy Grammarly. It's like, you know, just get it. It makes a huge difference. All the tech we have these days and people don't even use it. Seriously. But like, um, I mean, as far as writing goes, I mean, I think it's one of those things like you're either able to like you, you can, I think in your head be a good writer, but then like when you put it on paper, like gets way harder. Like I know for me, like if I'm writing, writing something like, and I'm like really passionate about it. Like I can just flow. But if I'm writing like an essay for like school or something, like I frankly don't give a shit about, like I'll come up with like the entire sentence in my head and like my mind's moving faster, like where I want to take the entire thing faster than like I can actually type it. And so I end up getting lost in like ADHD, the whole thing. 
But I think like with video editing, like the storytelling writing aspect kind of like goes hand in hand because like I can like visualize it faster than I can type it. You know what I mean? A hundred percent. Totally feel that. And I, I totally relate to you on the, you can't type it as fast as you think about it. Yeah. For me, that wasn't a huge issue, but if I have to physically handwrite, which in that freshman year English class, we weren't allowed to use computers because she thought we were always cheating. We had uh, to handwrite our stuff. And so that class, yeah, my writing was good, like way better than everyone else, but I was so slow at it because I'm just handwriting everything, mm-hmm. which that was a pain. And it's interesting how maybe she did that less because she didn't trust us and more because maybe she was passionate about the art of actual writing. And, you know, I don't even know if they teach cursive these days in school right? Like everything's digital these days. My brother's in sixth grade and he does everything on an iPad. It's crazy. Absolutely crazy. I have nothing wrong with that. It's just, I see technology moving so far and so fast that we lose an art form perhaps. I agree. And I think there's something to be said for like a handwritten note. Something that like we added in, like part of my job with Kanga is to do like consumer touch points and stuff like that. And so one of the things I added like right away was um, I was like, I want to have like a shipping card and it has like our face on it. And like everyone that ships it, like, like you, uh, you like sign it. So it's like hand signed. It's not like you wrote a note or anything, but then it has like just a kind note and like a discount code on the back for your next purchase. But, like when you open it up, I, and I like, I've opened up packages from other companies and stuff. Like, it's cool to see like, you know, a hand like sign something from somebody that is working there or like, shipped your order just like makes it more relatable and it i don't know you can't describe it really and and also on top of that i think it shows the consumer that the producer of the product the company the brand actually cares not just about you know enough to write this handwritten note or sign it or whatever but Mm -hmm. it kind of shows if you think about it a bit more kind of subtly it shows that they care about not only the the consumer but also the product the whole brand, you know, everything together. If they care about one thing that seems minute, they're probably going to care about this and this and this. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's just, there's like definitely a sense of pride that comes from it. Like that is just like, it's contagious when you have like those personal touch points. Facts. When you, you talked about, you know, looking at other companies, when you get products, the the brand, the, Mm -hmm. the packaging, is that a common thing that you tend to catch yourself doing? I like every time I see things, any sort yeah. of video content, whether it's, you know, watching the NBA and seeing the little score bug at the bottom of the screen and how those graphics look, or if I'm just, you know, in 7-Eleven or at the gas pump and the little screen comes on and what kind of ads they're providing and how those ads are being, you know, conveyed. I always find myself because I was a double minor in marketing and advertising. Cool. And so ever since I was into advertising like that, I think sophomore year was like the bulk of those classes for me. Instantly, every single billboard I saw, every single signage, I was just like, oh, cool. Or like, oh, dude, that is shit. I would do that way better. (laughs) Yeah. I like I like to always like look at it from like uh, my favorite thing is like look at it from like a consumer's perspective. Like I I'm definitely a junkie for like uh well so i'd say like with like marketing like one of my like favorite areas of the business like by far is like the product development part of it and so like i like absolutely love the idea of really creating anything and i feel like 
when you, your hands-on actually developing a product or a concept or an ad or something like that, like more, more so like if it is like a physical good, when you get to see it come from like nothing into something, you understand the ins and outs of the product and like marketing it is so much easier because you're hand in hand, like with like the product development team and the marketing team, like when they come together, it's like, okay, cool. Like our coolers, we're going to add like a leather patch on the flat because it's going to give it that, you know, uh, feeling of it's like high quality, more luxury, you know what I mean? And stuff like, okay, cool. So like, that's a product feature we're going to point out on the hang tags and stuff like that. And how, like just understanding how it all flows together and how like everyone's got to be on the same page. I think I love like looking through other brands. Like I'll, I'll look at like the big brands, then even like the small ones, um, mainly like apparel and stuff like that. It always fascinates me because Every company has like different size guides, different fits. Um, I like looking at the technical aspects, like how it's even stitched together, like what materials they're using, where are they sourcing it from? Uh, how much do I think it costs? Like what are the minimums, margins, whatever? Like I love just like geeking out about that stuff. But also I love to see like kind of like what the customer journey is. Like if I see a company like, you know, Viore. No, I haven't uh, heard Viore of Viore Trunks, like V-U-O-R-I. They're like a, uh, I think they're Orange County based uh, surf brand, but they kind of mixed like uh, surf and like yoga and athleisure all into like one. And they've been kind of, they've been blowing up. And so I was like, okay, cool. Like any company that is like getting a lot of buzz and hype, it's like, okay, wait, they're blowing up for a reason. So I went What out, are they doing? So yeah, exactly. Like what are they doing that's making them do that? So I, I know like, uh, I got hit with one of their ads. So I like, you know, looked at it, whatever, engaged with it, got hit with another one, went to the site. I always give them my email because I want to see what emails they're going to send me, like how, how that rolls, like add something to the cart. Do I get like an abandoned cart email, whatever? Do they give me a discount after that? Whatever. And then ultimately like when it's packaged and shipped to you, like, is it, you know, what kind of packaging is it? Like, how do they bag like each one of their products? Is there a handwritten note in there? Like, What's the return process? Is there a pre-printed label if you don't like it? Or are they going to charge you for shipping back? And so like all that stuff, like I know uh, Visla, like I love Visla. They're great. But like if you buy something that like doesn't fit, like you're screwed. Their shipping up front is wildly expensive. Yeah. I, I wanted one pair of boardies the other month, pre-summer. And I ended up just getting them locally, which is better. I should have done that in the first place, right? Yeah. Buy local, be local. But I looked into their... Uh, you know, I hate to hate on them because I love their products and their designs and even their like marketing and content. But yeah, they need to do something about that. The shipping cost because it's kind of outrageous, especially when you're just buying one item. Totally, dude. And I, I mean, like that. That for me, I think like with their like brand, like being very eco-friendly driven. I think that is like part of the process because they have a rather large like retail presence within like other surf like uh, stores and stuff like that. So I think they do want you to by uh local but i i think like it it just we're, we're talking about it but i've still bought stuff from them so i've still paid that Same. shipping fee you know what i mean um yeah. but like i know i've like gotten it and like it didn't fit yeah we'll give you a refund but it's gonna be 10 bucks to ship it back and i'm like you can't ship it back any other way and like after that experience i was like i'm not gonna ever buy anything from them online again i'm only gonna buy it in a store if i see because i like the products i like the quality and i also thought it was interesting like with their email marketing like their email marketing they have these awesome graphics and stuff like that but they're they're always blurry 
And so mm. that it's just looking at stuff like that, where it's like, where could this be enhanced? Like, like they lost me as a customer on their e-commerce, but they won me as a customer for the brand. Mm-hmm. But like how it's just understanding how people are reacting these days and how you can win them as a customer locally and online. And also how can you be like, you know, sustainable and like make sure that you're doing your part. And I know like at Kanga, we, we plant a tree with every purchase to offset the carbon emission from the entire shipping process. So it's just stuff like that. Like even though the tree is going to take like, you know, 50 years to grow and we're not going to see it. It's at least like, you know, you, you're recognizing that like, uh, Yvonne Schwinnard, the founder of Patagonia said it best, like your rec, any brand that is producing anything is harmful for the environment, including Patagonia. And so, uh, he was like, just, it's, it's ultimately that recognition and doing your part to rebuild as you take away. Nothing bugs me more than like when a company does like a social initiative, like just to do it. You know what I mean? I think any social initiative should like be deep rooted into your brand and have a purpose. You know what I mean? I was going to say that exact like, word. Whatever. And like, you, you want to see something like tangible produced from it. So, I mean, finally, like revenue wise, like Kang is at a position where we could start thinking that way. And like, I think ultimately as like a business owner, as a co-founder of this company, it, it wasn't as much like a marketing play as it was just like, this is just the right thing to do. Right. And the way that your own moral values align. Yeah, exactly. It's like, I, I want to be passionate about this brand and that would make me more passionate about it. <laughs> like the brand kind of represents you guys and you guys represent the brand. Yeah, exactly, dude. Exactly. So, I mean, you, a brand is its customers. Like you are, you can show customers what you think they want to see and whatnot, but ultimately you're going to see like what people are, what, like what sort of ads are like, you know, media presence or like even just like branding presence is going to make people convert and purchase and your job as the head of marketing anywhere you can make a brand that you're like i this is going to be a like viore i i I literally think this is what they did i I think they were a surf brand that was like we want to make like a surf surf athleisure brand and then they found this entire niche like niche with uh with yoga and like mm-hmm. yoga and surf go hand in hand. A lot of surfers do yeah. yoga. I, I thought with yoga, yoga is sick. <laughs> I did take uh, two, two classes like on the side. They were like one credit classes in college. You know, it was yeah. yoga. It's awesome. Yoga one and yoga two. And then my roommate got it. Like I, we either started at the same time and it might not have been him that was giving me crap. It may have been another friend. And the next semester, whoever was giving me crap for it. Guess what they were doing? They're in Guess it. what they were signed up for? Yeah, Yoga yeah. 101. I, I was like, it. I told you. I told you. It's awesome, dude. I mean, and it's just like, you you wouldn't have known if you liked yoga unless you tried it. And that that's the exactly. thing. Like, it's not being afraid to try anything, but also being like able to be like, hey, like, that's not for me. Um, yeah. And, and also not caring, not caring what other people think either. Totally, dude. I mean, that's what it's all about. But like, back to like what I was saying, like, I mean, uh, I'm sure they saw like that niche and now it's like one of the largest parts of their brand is like, you know, like that whole like yoga surf culture. And it's just like, you're like, huh, never seen like a yoga surf brand before, but like, there you go. It's like, they're looking at what customers are buying and they're adapting to their customer base, trying to make them products. That's going to suit their lifestyle, make them perform better. 
And I don't know necessarily what their brand mission statement is, but anyone that's trying to start a company, that's the most important part is like have a mission because that's your theme. That's your goal. That's why you do what you do. And so from there, it's like, if you're making a product that doesn't align with that mission statement, you're probably falling a little bit away from the brand that you're starting. And, you know, unless you're really adopting like a new customer base, making, making a switch like that is going to lose the ones that you already have. So I'm going to put you on the spot. What's Kanga's mission statement? Our mission statement is to bring fun and convenience to beverage coin solutions and use business to promote a fulfilling lifestyle. I love that. Perfect. Yeah. It's concise. It says it all. Speaking of the lifestyle, talk to me about Kanga HQ, the headquarters. It just seems like a blast. Like it's fun, the day dude. in, day out. There's no, it doesn't seem like you ever clock out, but in the best way possible. Like maybe, maybe to reverse that, the phrasing of that, you never clock in. Mm-hmm. Y'all are just getting shit done and having fun in the process. Or kind of like, I, I would think it'd be more like you're always clocked in. You know what I mean? Like, okay. And I think that's like one of the things you carry with you, like being like a business owner or like a founder of anything is like, it's forever on your mind. And I know that like, um, you know, like entrepreneurship, like hustle culture is such a thing these days, but in reality, like, dude, like everyone does what they do differently. And it's ultimately figuring out to like, what's that happy balance, happy medium to where like nobody gets like too pissed off or whatnot. Like for me, like I like to work late into the night. Um, that's like a lot of times when I have great ideas and stuff. So like we set up like an office, like you don't have to be into the office until 10. So that's cool. So like it, like mornings for me, like, all right, is that's kind of like where like I get my best sleep in the morning. And so like, I, I, yeah. And I, and I need to start my morning slow. Like for me, that's just how I do it. Like, I'm not the sort of person like 5am wake up, work out, eat breakfast, whatever, dude. Like you see that on all like the basic entrepreneurship stuff, but there are guys here like in the office that they do that and that works for them. But like realizing like, Hey, like 10 o'clock, this is like a time that's beyond reasonable that like we can all agree on. And like, you know, the guy that is getting in at 8am or nine or seven, whatever it's the, it there like there is that threshold to where like don't show up after 10 because that's just inconsiderate but also it's being considerate of the fact that like everybody's putting in equal hours because everybody has equal responsibility in a sense and has like ownership of their own domain so like every day pretty much like you come into the office and it's all right something's broken what do i need to fix and i love (laughs) that sort of way of thinking because like uh, you're always looking at like, you're trying to find a gap. You're trying to find something that's not there, or you're trying to fix something that's not working at the moment, but it just like creates like a very like team dynamic. Like you, you need, we all rely on each other to pull that off. And I think like the, where, like the office space we have, like we branded the hell out of it, put a mural in the back, got a basketball court, like ping pong table, like and, and that's, that sort of stuff is like encouraged, like, like go play ping pong for 30 minutes, like with one of your coworkers, because at the end of the day, like, it's gonna, like, I know like Austin Maxwell, our like head of sales, he and I have like had like quality business conversations, like, 
like playing ping pong and also just conversations about life because it's not all about work. And that took me a while to like figure out. Um, but once I was able to like kind of separate like work and life and realize that being an owner, like there really isn't a separation, but there are times where you really need to force yourself to separate. Um, and like, just kind of accept the burden that like, there's going to be a lot that a lot of shit that hits the fan when you get back. Uh, it's like an important life skill to, to, I guess, develop. So what you're saying is it's okay to accept the fact that a little bit of shit might hit the fan, but it's a lot better than a whole dumpster fire down the road. Exactly. And I think like along with that is like, not everything's going to be perfect. And I think understand a lot of that comes with like understanding yourself and knowing like, okay, cool. Like I'm reaching a point of burnout. So like, I got to go take like a day or two and go hike, go be outside, go like do whatever. In college, I was the culprit of like bringing the cooler with me like everywhere. And I always had my camera and I was always trying to like get pictures. And I mean, that's what we needed to do to start. But like, we're to a point now to where we can be strategic about it to where it's like, dude, sometimes I want to go hiking and I just like, don't want to bring my camera. Uh-huh. <laughs> you know what I mean? I feel that. So it's finding that it's balanced, dude. It's just finding that balance and like making sure like at first, like when I would come back and people be like, what did you do this weekend? It's like, oh, like I went hiking. Like, oh, cool. Did you get like some cool content? And it's like, no, it was the weekend. And everyone looks at you kind of like, dude, like that's your job. Like you're the content guy. You never like, you know, you know, you're never really working. You're always like doing whatever, but it's like, like you're the only guy that gets to like call off and go to the lake for a day to go shoot videos or whatnot. But I'm like, there's a very distinct difference between like me, like being creative on my own, wanting to pull out my camera and document stuff. And then me like having to work uh, with my camera. You know what I mean? And it was finding that for me took me a long time. You know, I feel like for everyone, that process is ever evolving. Yeah. You know, you might think you have it nailed down right now, Teddy, but in six months from now, you might be like, eh, maybe I do want to give a little bit more to work, or maybe I want to take even more for myself, you know? Yeah. And it might be, it might not, the same equation may not hold true for every single day or every single week. Some me- some weeks, some people might need and want to work six days and two weeks later they might only feel like working two or three Mm -hmm. but you just got to know yourself listen to your gut and figure it out from there and like you said nothing's ever perfect right Mm -hmm. sometimes content especially can feel that way and look that way but no one's life is perfect we're all figuring it out as we go right Mm -hmm. yep dude exactly i mean you literally drilled that one in right there like There you go. I mean, dude, it's just, it's, it's giving yourself that moment to like sit back and realize like, okay, how are things going? How am I? Whatever. Um, and ultimately having that escape, I think like one of the biggest things like I struggled with, like finding that was like growing up, like my camera, like was my escape and uh, like going out and like making videos and taking pictures. So like, that was how I would like regroup for the week. And that, and that was like when I was in school and I hated school. So like that made sense. Like that was what I did. But all of a sudden, like my camera became like part of my job and like one of my main priorities. And then 
I no longer had like that outlet. And so um, I know like with that, just some like just, I guess like un- unhe- unhealthy for me to a point where like I wasn't, I wasn't taking that time for me and I didn't have that separation. And so I kind of like my takeaway with that was like, you know, when your passion becomes your work, it's easy to lose sight of what made you fall in love with your passion in the first place. Drop the mic. (laughs) That's something that I like hold true, like every day where it's just like, okay, there's work. You should be passionate about your work, but also like, you know, keeping the main thing, the main thing, like, if I want to go out one weekend and I want to bring my camera and do stuff, like I don't have to have a cooler with me every single time. I don't have to be mm-hmm. shooting for a brand every single time. Like that's going to make me feel regenerated. And maybe I come in the office and, you know, I edit a video for myself for an hour and a half that just cause I need that. And I work an extra hour and a half or whatever, but it's just like what you need to do just to that, that breath of fresh air. So, Teddy, we've gotten a little ahead. Let's go back to, you know, the basics. What is Kanga? What's the product and how does it work? So Kanga is a company that my buddies and I started. Uh, I was a sophomore in college. The rest of the gang, they were seniors. Um, Basically, it's a koozie for a case of beer. Um, And so, like, you take a cold 12-pack, 24-pack, cardboard and all uh you buy it cold typically at the store and so basically slide this neoprene sleeve over it keeps it cold for seven hours without any ice and so that was that was the concept thought of it at a tailgate when we saw um our founder logan thought of it you saw a bunch of kids like rolling around with these uh cardboard cases it was in a clemson entrepreneurship class and i was just lucky enough to be the um little rascal that they tried to wanted to outsource stuff to and taking that leap of faith and being like, Hey, like I should be your head of marketing. And I, I through that, like the only reason I had that confidence was from like doing ambassadorships in the past. And I felt like I had a very general understanding of how uh, e-commerce branding and content marketing worked. So from there uh, just grew and developed and developed my skills to an area where um, now I'm lucky enough to say I do this full time and uh, I got, you know, two guys that I get to manage, you know, lucky me. I'm not sure if it's lucky them. <laughs> yeah, it's dude, it's, it's been an unbelievable process. That's for sure. So you started as a little rascal and now you have two of your own. Now I have two of my own and they are definitely rascals. I can tell you that, but <laughs> I like, I think you, that sort of uh, young innovative, creative spirit is what you need so badly. Mm -hmm. That's what keeps us from going corporate. That's for sure. (laughs) I love that. So you talked about, you know, why you kind of didn't have a bit of reserve or skepticism at the beginning. You had that confidence already for others that are wanting to start a new venture or chase a dream that, you know, they've just been putting it off and they're always thinking about it. It's always on their mind but they just haven't gone for it yet. What advice would you, would you give them about just, you know, going for it? The more you talk about it, the less you're going to do. And honestly, just do it. If you really don't want to do it, or you're going to regret it for the rest of your life. That's 
you know, I could give you the classic entrepreneurial, uh, like, dude, I'm just like straight up, not a huge fan of like the whole entrepreneurial culture these days. I think it's full of like a bunch of like entrepreneurs is what I like to call them. But, uh, like I don't even consider myself an entrepreneur. Like, I think if somebody deems me an entrepreneur, then, you know, I, whatever, that's cool, but it's never a title I would give myself. And I think that like people like to say, like, Oh, I'm an entrepreneur. It's just an excuse for like, I don't know, like no one knows what it means anymore. You know what I mean? It's just like, it screams like hustle culture, like whatever. And uh, it's just, it's so different than that. I think ultimately though, the biggest question you need to ask yourself is like one, what's stopping you from doing it Two, like, so like what's stopping you from doing it? Is it because you don't have the money? Okay. Well, if you don't have the money, what are you spending your money on? Mm-hmm. Uh, okay. Like you can start there. Two, like, what is the company that you're trying to start? Like, what's the idea? What's the yeah. barrier to entry? Do you, what are you, what's your skill set? It's starting to think of like, okay, I would be best at doing this. Like, this is what I want to do for the company. And ultimately, like, you need to build a team around you, uh, a team of people, whether you outsource people, or you have people in there with you every single day doing it. Um, that's, that's like the most important part. And I think like the last aspect of it is, what's the problem that you're trying to solve? If there's not a problem that you're trying to solve, you're not going to succeed. So you like think long and hard about something that pisses you off. And if you can come up with a solution to it, there's probably (laughs) people out there that are pissed off by it too. And so I think, you know, uh, people, I think with this being kind of like a content podcast, like people can think a lot of times like, okay, well, there's so many like production agencies out there. Mm -hmm. So like, you know, I guess you're technically an entrepreneur if you're starting a production agency, but what makes you different? You know, like why, why it could be price, it could be whatever, but ultimately that's where that mission statement comes down to. Like, Mm -hmm. that's why that's so important. It's just like, for me, like with my own, I had a production company before I started Kanga. And uh, I remember like, Telling my parents, like, I think I want to do videos and stuff um, out of after college. And like, okay, cool. And we're sitting down and going through, like, you know, what what do videographers make these days? And what's a good job for a videographer? And uh, you know, we kept landing on like weddings, weddings, weddings. You can make 110 grand a year doing weddings, weddings, weddings. And I was like, this sounds like hell. Like, there's no <laughs> part of me that wants to have anything to do with that and so i remember i told my parents i'm like on the spot they're like yeah i mean like weddings you can make a ton of money and i was like i'm i looked at both them in the eyes and said all right well if that's the you know route that google says that like is you know the most secure i'm never going to film a wedding in my life and so (laughs) they were both kind of like all right cool but like for me i was like i'm not i i know people told me all the time oh yeah i'm just filming real estate to save up enough money to where I can start filming what I want to be filming, or I'm just filming weddings so I can save up enough money to start a production company where I can then start working on what I want to be working on. I'm just filming, you know, uh, gym people in the gym, like workout videos so I can, you know, eventually branch out and do whatever. Ultimately you're, you're boxing yourself in from the get go by focusing on something that you're not passionate about. 
because you're going to continue to get more clients there. And that's the typical corporate America. Well, I hate my job, but they have awesome benefits. You know what I mean? And so by like, I think staying rooted, what I would tell anybody that is like in a similar position, it's like, okay, what do you want to be doing? We'll start doing that now. Because if you start doing that now, you're going to be the best at it by the time that there is that opportunity to make money. And if there never is that opportunity to make money, you're going to be happy. Some of the happiest people I've met, literally they're, you know, they're doing what they love, but they're broke. Oh yeah. Money does not equate to happiness. And, and they're doing it, you know, they're living life on a budget, but they're stoked all the time. Mm -hmm. When you brought up price earlier, and that's what's stopping some people. For example, guys, with this podcast, this mic setup was $100. I could have got the nice, what is it, Sure SM7 or whatever, the super dope ones. They're $400 a piece. You got to get the Zoom recorder, which is like another three. You got to get this and this and this. And it came, I did the math. It came out to like $1,200, I'm not going to throw that into a podcast. I don't know it's going to be A, successful off the bat, but like B, that I don't, like I'm not. I didn't know for sure I would enjoy it. I hadn't done a single episode before, you know? Yeah. And so I got what I needed. I still looked into it and this is a solid mic, but it's way cheaper, you know, a quarter of the price of a fraction of the materials you'd need for the other setup, which down the road, I hope to be able to, you know, uh, evolve into. But like, dude, that mentality right there is like, you had an idea. How do I just start doing it now? At the end of the day, like you're going to go and listen to these podcasts a year from now when you actually have like, you know, a decent number of subscribers and your equipment's upgraded and you're going to laugh at this shit. You're going to be like, holy (laughs) shit, I'm sitting on a chair and like whatnot and whatever. And holy shit, like this new stuff, I have like a full blown studio with like, you know, sound bearing bearing walls like whatever and you're gonna be like oh just you to you it's gonna make such a difference but like what i think this whole point boils down to is it wasn't like the actual quality of the equipment or gear or whatever that you needed to get the message that you're passionate about telling across at the end of the day it's about the content and the story Exactly. It's not about the fancy schmancy, though that does keep people listening. You know, no one wants to listen to shit audio for an hour and a half. If you have good enough, you can make it great. If you have great equipment, your content might just be good enough. Ooh, 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 facts. Teddy Gerard dropping facts. But dude, yeah, I think I think ultimately that that's what it comes down to. And like it's it's so important to have like just that that overall like overarching goal in your mind like of like what you want this to be and what are the steps that you need to start taking now in order to make that happen and yeah i think a lot of people think so big like this is where i want it to be and they're just like i just want to like you know make the product and it's just gonna sell no like doesn't work like that doesn't work like that like there's a lot of blood sweat and tears that go into making something work and listening and learning and investing in yourself and right then like if you start working on what you're passionate about 
you're, you're investing in yourself without even realizing it because you're doing something that you want to be doing every single day. And that was like, just naturally like what I did with the videography as a whole was I just loved like creating lifestyle, feel good stuff. And I was making it for myself just cause I liked it. Like I didn't have an Instagram until like, I think a year or so after it was out. And that was like when I was in high school, like we were in high school and I remember my buddy and I just started kind of like posting pictures from our GoPros and whatnot. We're getting like good feedback on it, but like there, there was a moment where we started to care about social media. And then I remember he and I both like looked at each other and we made this realization like kind of early and, you know, people that follow me on Instagram may think that I care about it a whole lot, but like, dude, I never scroll. Like I hardly ever like go on it. Um, I really just go on like to post something nowadays. I don't even feel the need to do that. Like I'll go, <laughs> I'll go make an edit that I just like and just want to have. And naturally like through the video content that I enjoyed making, uh, there were some brands that started to reach out and Southern tide was one of them at first. And, uh, they reached out and I started to realize, wait, so like I can start to make money making the sort of content that I enjoy making. And, and that's so, the key. Yeah. And I never had to go film a wedding to do it. <laughs> so, and I'm not ripping on people that are filming weddings. Like if that's the process that you think you want to do, then like go for it. And like, you know, and to each their own, the people yeah. filming weddings might not want to do the cool stuff that you're doing. You know, it, it's all an opinion and it's all a preference. So there's a market for everybody. Yeah. So you mentioned Southern Tide. The brands that Kanga partners and collaborates with seem to be in the same niche, you know, whether it be outdoors and aquatic or adult beverages. Can you share a bit about the partnership process, whether it's with PBR or Southern Tide or whoever it may be? I think ultimately it comes down to uh, do your brands align. And like when you get on, you know, you start having those conversations with the marketing directors and stuff like that is, okay, cool. Like, who are you guys trying to be? Like, what are you trying to do? PBR is trying to get a little bit more into like the kind of like action sports realm. So we partnered with them in Huff um, for like a custom cooler. And to us, like that's, that's a no brainer. Like all of our brands align right there. And so um, it's, it's coming, coming together and realizing like, okay, this is what we want to do. Like we've been reached out to by companies that want to, you know, oh yeah, like we think these would be like awesome coolers for like our kids, like keep like their water bottles and stuff like that during sports games. And we're like, it's not made for that. So like that does that partnership doesn't make sense. So are you both going to mutually benefit? Is one party going to benefit more than the other? Those are the questions you ask and it should be, a sort of um, partnership where both parties are paying zero rent and uh, you, you know, you have an agreement up front, like this is what we're going to do in exchange for uh, whatnot. And, you know, both you, you rely on the creative teams within both companies to position the product in their own way. That's going to fit for their brand. So uh, if, if they're positioned well, then you have two times the amount of content that you originally had that everybody can use. That's dope. And so piggybacking off of the creative teams collaborating, how does that process work? Do Does Kanga and does Southern Tide each make their own content for the, pro, uh, for the product? Or do, do does one you know, creator 
produce it all and then just share it with each brand to, to, to get it out there? Yeah, a lot of the times I end up doing it all. But um, my favorite partnerships are the ones where both parties do it. And as our company has grown, we used to let we we still to this day leverage our content abilities. It's not just me. I got a team with me that makes this stuff. But um, we we to this day still leverage our ability to make content and stuff like that with almost all the brand partnerships we have. Um, and a lot of times that's like what gets, uh, gets our foot in the door in the first place is them reaching out being like, Hey, can we send you some shirts or whatever? And can you guys make some videos? Can you throw us in some photos, whatever we tag them. And then from there, a lot of times that's where we see the long-term partnerships, like really starting to bloom. I love that. And so it's all or partly due to them seeing that you guys specialize in content. One of your specialties is content. That's- that's one of our biggest emphasis, like as a company. And I think anybody that's trying to start a consumer product or like brand needs to invest heavily into content if they want to succeed in the e-commerce space. And I think that's part of what's helped your growth. So being so, ra- I, I would say fairly rapid growth. Y'all are on TikTok. And in my opinion, it's good content. Talk to me about- I appreciate it. Is it the same type of content you might put on Instagram or Twitter or Facebook? Do you, you know, you know, have concept meetings that are specifically for TikTok content? Because a lot of brands now, they feel like they just maybe not mastered, but just locked down Instagram, right? Mm -hmm. And Facebook, like they're like, all right, sweet. We got this content thing under control. And then TikTok comes in and they're like, yo, what? Like, how do we, how do we get? this message across to like all these people brands struggle with TikTok. Some brands are great at it. Other brands are not. So for brands that might be listening or tuning in, how can you crush TikTok? By throwing sh- a ton of shit at the wall and seeing what sticks. That's, that's TikTok. <laughs> that's any social media platform, man. I think, uh, you know, um, People are like, oh, like we've mastered Instagram and whatever. And I think any sort of person in a marketing field that believes they've mastered any area or like really honestly in general, anybody that believes they've mastered anything is lying to themselves. Yeah, they might need to do some self-reflection. Exactly. And uh, realizing that like, you know, that method's going to change. You're going to need to adapt soon. But uh, I dude, you know, to s- starting off on any social platform. So I'll, I'll start, I'll I'll start with this because like we're talking about TikTok, like TikTok comes out. What are we going to do? You know, the normal lifestyle edits that blow up on Instagram aren't doing that well. Okay. Like, why is that? It doesn't really make any sense. Okay, cool. Well, let's start looking at what's trending. Let's start like looking into like, you know, um, the algorithm. Let's start reading up on it. Let's start figuring out like to begin with not, it doesn't really work this way anymore, but the way we were able to achieve such fast growth was I literally just read up on articles and found out that like TikTok is all about following whatever trends that they have on the, uh, they have on like the explore page using those hashtags and using the original sounds like from those trends, you just follow it and it, it blows up. So it sounds, it sounds a bit more like strategy than necessarily creative content. 
everything strategy, man. Like uh, if you're going out and making content, you don't have a strategy behind why you're making it, then you've already failed. Yeah, exactly. It's so, um, you know, going out and hiring a, you know, production agency to go, Hey, can you go film a lifestyle video of our products? Like, okay, cool. Like, what is that good for one post? Or are you going to like, you know, maybe like, Hey, you guys got to use royalty free music so we can run ads behind it. It's got to have our logo and this color at the end. Like it has to fade out the first three seconds has to show how the products used and like whatever. It's like creating those steps because it's like, okay, wait, we're going to want to use this for, you know, Instagram post also run ads on it. So we're going to also need it. And, uh, and we also want it for emails. So we're going to need it, you know, horizontal, you know, four by three and, uh, and vertical format. It's just like, it's thinking ahead. Like why, why are you doing it? But I I mean, with TikTok, it was just like, once you catch traction on one video, okay, let's like sit back and look like, why did that video take off? Okay. You like, like content marketing as a whole is looking at a piece of content and not being like, Oh, it's because the guy's standing there with Ferrari in the background. No, it's in many cases, those ads that work that has like the guy has the Ferrari, you know, like the marketing gurus that are always like lying to you about shit. But like, those are the best ads, by the way, the best. Oh yeah. Like, I mean, no ad beat stuff. I mean, maybe not, maybe not strategically, like not, not, uh, factually speaking, but in my opinion, those are the best ads. Well, dude, suckers still fall for it. So, I mean, it it clearly (laughs) works, but, um, it's like, okay, wait, like start to listen to like the pitch that they're giving you. Like, why does that hook people in? And was the Ferrari just used as something that was eye-catching at first to make you stay for three seconds to hear like the first three seconds of the pitch? I'm starting to think of it that way. And TikTok is very similar in that sense um, where in order to su- succeed on TikTok, you either have to have something that's under like 15 seconds that's just so f- random that people share it and are like asking questions about it and confused or roasting somebody or whatever. Like that's how you'll get good engagement on it. And then, um, the other, uh, standpoint of it is if you want something to succeed, you have to tell a story behind it. And the storytelling aspect has to be done. Typically, you know, you have to set the stage within like the first three to five seconds. And like, by doing that, like, uh, that's why like TikTok is, is huge with like text. You know what I mean? Like just like shitty looking text over top of a video but it, if you're reading the text and seeing like the visuals, you're, you're following along more. Like it, it just keeps you, uh, keeps the retention. So starting to figure that, that out. And like, you know, Instagram comes out with Instagram reels and like realizing that, you know, what works on TikTok doesn't always work on reels. And sometimes what works on reels doesn't work on TikTok and understanding that you have two very different, uh, demographics, sets of followers there. So that's like why with any e-commerce brand content is king. And it's, it ultimately comes down to like, what standards are you going to set for your company as like the quality that is output and like on like what uh, social platforms are you trying to showcase that? And like through that, what we do is like, we'll do like test runs where we'll be like, all right, cool. On Instagram this week, we're going to test, um, we're going to test like trying to drive more traffic to our site through blogs and like, 
how, okay, what kind of content do people engage with that uh, makes them click on the link in our bio to go read a blog? Because ultimately we want people on our website because if they're on our website, we can retarget them. If they're familiar with the site, they probably read up on the product, know what it is. They can see a video that just simply like shows it in a lifestyle scenario that resonates with them. We can make a purchase at a lower cost. So it's just like, it, it all flows. It's a funnel. Yeah, dude, that is a marketing funnel. And in school, you know, you're always said like, yeah, like get them into the marketing funnel, but like, what the fuck is a marketing funnel? Like, I don't think the <laughs> teachers even know what a marketing funnel is. Like, it's just like, it, it's like my biggest pet peeves were the words, uh, funnel content algorithm and mm. getting a marketing degree that, yeah, all right. So like, yeah, we just got to research the algorithm so that you can get them into the marketing funnel and you get them into the funnel through content. Like that was marketing class in college. You're like, all right, yeah, that's, I can relate. Yeah. What does that mean? You don't like, it's different everywhere. No one knows what it means, but it's provocative. It gets the people going. Dude, it, it, it gets the teachers going. Yeah. <laughs> that's hilarious. So how has your content strategy at Kanga changed since you first started back in 2017, four years ago? Totally. I mean, when we first started, I was outputting videos like left and right, like just as much as I could. That was like my full-time job was just, you know, let's have the coolest social presence we can possibly have. I think you accomplished that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I appreciate that. I, we're still rolling. Um, I think like since then though, uh, it's, it's gotten just a lot more strategic and uh, I, I enjoy that. Uh, as in like, you know, um, the sort of con everybody that like makes content or videos or takes photos has a different style. And, uh, the brand was overly saturated with my style. And so I think that was the biggest change was what guys or girls can we bring on that have quality standards. But the biggest thing for me with anybody that is going to be doing content with us that they have their own vision but if that vision aligns with the brand and so um you know the biggest thing that's changed is just getting more strategic and we kind of went through that like where we'll run like sprints uh to try to like see like okay what's the best form of um you know getting people to read our blogs or what's the best form of um you know the fun factory was a youtube series i started I would put like over 30 hours into those edits and like, they were getting like, you know, 800 views. And I was like, all right, that's a waste of time. Uh, it's, it's not profiting. So I'm launching a new one on Friday, like tomorrow, uh, that I condensed down to five minutes and it doesn't even have like the interview feel that people are used to seeing, but I'm curious to see what the response is going to be from that. And so if, if we can still get that same feel good of like, Hey, I feel like I, kind of understood what you guys did or just tell a message uh, to get people engaged and understanding the brand. Uh, that's the most important part. So I think uh, for a while realizing like that a lot of the brand that we've built, people are interested in seeing like what goes on with like us personally every single day uh, that intrigues people. It usually gets good engagement, especially on like TikTok or Instagram reels. But uh, the brand itself isn't us, it's the customers. So um making sure that we have that balance of like, you know, the feel good, like this is, uh, these are a bunch of guys that started a company in college and, you know, I want to do that too, sort of feel, but, um, or like, look, they're, 
they have a ping pong table in their warehouse. That's dope. Uh, but also mixing that with like, okay, that video of that cooler was fucking dope and I want one now. A hundred percent. I totally get that. I love what you said about putting the, uh, the brand ahead of your own personal content. I was mm-hmm. listening to another pod today and they, the guy said, uh, audience first brand second at the end of the day, the point is to get to the customer, right? The consumer. And so you gotta, you gotta penetrate what they want to see, what they want to get out of coming to your page. Right. Right. And so like the whole reason they follow you is because they want to see your content or the whole reason they purchase a Kanga Casemate is because they want to have a solution to their warm beers. And, uh, and if, if y'all are focused on stuff that doesn't pertain to that exactly, you might lose a customer. But it sounds yeah. like y'all are on the exact right wavelength with knowing that the customer has got to go first. Totally. And I think like ultimately is like customers have like different interests and they enjoy seeing different things. And there are different reasons to why they're bought into the brand. And so, you know, one of the biggest mistakes that people make right now, just because it's such like a social like presence, like, Oh, like they don't get that many likes on their posts or whatever. Like I don't give a shit if we get 33 likes on a post and like people are like, all right, like whatever. Um, these guys aren't legit. Like if you think that way, like whatever, (laughs) like the only thing that I care about is if people are sharing and saving our content, that's the only Mm -hmm. thing I care about because if we're making stuff that people want to share or people want other people to see, then we're succeeding because as you've probably been told many times in school, which is one of the, one of the, one of the best things they tell you in school, and there are a few of them, but that, that, that's one of the few, uh, is that uh, word of mouth marketing is the most effective form of marketing. 100%. 110%. Not everyone's going to want to read our, read our blog. Not everyone's going to want to see lifestyle edits. Not everyone's going to want to see uh, you know, us sticking around at the office. But there are certain people that want to see each one of those. So you have to cater towards everybody's interests. And so... That's the most important thing. The NIL announced uh, today, actually, that college athletes can now make money off of sponsorships, off of you know brand deals based off of their name, image, and likeness. This is huge, monumental huge. for college athletes across the country. As a marketer and a content creator yourself, you know, because not every athlete, a lot of them do have fire IG feeds, right? Or mm-hmm. they might be funny on Twitter. But many of them are super interested in this new, you know, way to make money for themselves, but they don't exactly know what's going to hit content wise as a, as a content strategist, a marketer and a creator, what advice would you have for them? For athletes, for one, uh, be careful because I think that this is, uh, this is one of those rules that came out and, um, they're going to be a lot of people that get screwed. A lot. And I think that I already see guys out there who run sports marketing companies that are like, you know, I'm calling all college kids, like whatever, uh, dude, they're going to, they're going to squeeze everything they can out of you, lock you into a contract. Like don't sign anything that you don't 
understand that you like don't and don't buy into the you know halo effect of like we're gonna make you so much money whatever because anyone that is signing you is making more money than they're paying than you you are (laughs) and so that's that's my first piece of advice my second piece of advice is uh for people that are coming in is to realize that like any brand that you partner with or do anything with is a representation of yourself and I don't like the word personal branding, really. Uh, I think it's just cheesy uh, because per- branding to me is, you know, uh, something that's not real. A brand's not real. You know what I mean? It's, it's, a, it's an idea. It's a concept. It's, it's an imagination that people enjoy. Uh, a personal branding, that, that just sounds absolutely inauthentic, unauthentic to me. You know what I mean? That, like, <laughs> yeah. That, that what, what are you like? You're, you're positioning yourself in a way that you think people want to see you versus who you really are. And I think it's, from there, it's superficial, it's superficial, so superficial. And so from there, it's understanding that, you know, part like it's, it's that question of like, who, who do you want to be? Like, who do you want to be personally? Like, what, what do you want to do? And so if that individually you want to be is, uh, you know, you have a great sense of humor and you want people to see that like, and there's a brand that you really like, like reach out to them and like, see if you can do something to them, like do something with them. Um, but I, I mean, I would also just like, dude, just like use your resources around you and like just be on the watch. Cause, mm-hmm. uh, they like, I, I'm just nervous for a lot of guys. Like I have buddies on the Clemson team that I've talked to and already and we've talked about doing Kanga stuff. And my first response was first and foremost, like I'm friends with you guys first before we do anything business related. And so I was like, I want it to be as casual as possible. I, and frankly, like if it's going to ever get in the way of us being friends, I don't want to do it. I'm not interested in it. And so there are brands that don't care about you like that. And uh, they care about making money. And so, you know, looking at it as an opportunity where you're like, Hey, like this is a great way for the player to grow with a company. Like they're uh, funny, whatever. They like to get out on the golf course and drink or whatever. How can you portray that in a positive way? Um, that's not going to jeopardize who you could sign with or the way that you are perceived to the public at such a young age. And so you're coming in as a freshman that's 18 years old and, you know, a company waves a check in front of you and says, all you have to do is post uh, on Instagram, like twice a week, whatnot. It, it, dude, it's just, it's like, you know, who, who knows if you actually even like the brand? What if, what if they're not like real? What if they're sketchy? You know what I mean? Right. And then, yeah. and then your name is behind it. And so that, that to me is, um, I, I'm nervous for that. And I, I really, I really think. I'm more nervous about uh, sports marketing agencies. I think they're just going to absolutely take advantage of kids, which sucks. But uh, I think that as far as the entire principle of athletes getting paid, that's something I've been in favor for favor of for the longest time. So I think it's about time that this happened. I wish that they rolled it out slower. I wish that they said, on this date, it's going to be a thing. And there was a six month rollout because right now everyone's scrambling, dude. Like no one has any idea what this is about to be like. And so 
um, you know, it's a great thing that they finally did. Uh, it's like it's it was completely unethical what they were doing beforehand. But again, just you got to be so careful. And I think the most important thing is if it's not a company that you personally enjoy that you like and want to represent, then don't do it because whatever you represent that you don't like or want to be is going to box you in. Just like how we talked about the weddings and how we talked mm-hmm. about uh, the other stuff is whatever you do, unfortunately on social media is a representation of what, of who and what people think about you in real life, even though it isn't at all. Uh, and so what you represent, what you say, what you do, uh, what people see you doing is how they're going to perceive you in real life. And that's also how other brands are going to perceive you. And if you do something that maybe, you know, if you go to the NFL and Nike wants to sign you, it's something that Nike doesn't agree with. And people remember you for that one thing, you know, you ain't getting that Odell contract. Yeah, that's, that's tough luck. And so uh, I just hope that people are careful and I hope that marketers as a whole, like uh, realize that, that they're dealing with, kids yeah like and i mean i'm that saying have a that, whole a whole future ahead of them not just someone that's like you know branching out from their typical industry to do a quick little brand deal for some summer fling money no nah, these kids if they're top athletes they have a whole professional career in the nfl hopefully or in the nba or mm-hmm. in you know the mlb and so it's not just a brand messing with someone that could always go back to their, you know, other profession or other, other field, other means of making money, but it's they're, they're toying and they're using these as, you know, these athletes, the, the brands that are maybe more sketchy or non-ethical uh, are using these athletes or may start to as, you know, little, little guppies in a pond full of koi fish. Yeah. They're not your friends. That's, that's for sure. I, I, yeah, dude, I, I mean, I'm, I'm really excited about it. Like from the standpoint of like, I mean, you're going to start seeing some Clemson guys on the Kanga feed and that's fine. I love that. I'm hoping it's, I'm, I really want to branch out to just guys across the country and girls. I want both guys, guy and girl athletes that um, are obviously of legal drinking age, but uh, I'm not going to approach an athlete unless they approach us. And that's, how I always do um, sponsor relationships. I have a relationship with the individual before I do anything business related because um, I've seen how it's done on the other end and I don't like it. I think, I think some people will get screwed. I think it's pretty obvious. Some people will get screwed and the people who wait and then strike a big one. I think, I think the people that go with the big, big brands, that have that opportunity, like, you know, you're starting quarterbacks or whoever it may be. I think they're going to do best. The people that have, you know, maybe two or three big contracts in a year's time. The people that have Mm -hmm. 15 little small ones, they'll do all right. But I think the ones that can like firmly solidify themselves as like, yo, I'm with Nike or yo, I'm with Gatorade or, I'm with uh, I'm with Starburst or Reese's. The ones that can have their face in a cereal box right off the bat, those are going to be the stars. Yeah, and those are the guys that really deserve to be, you know, making this money. And so I'm not true. saying that anyone anyone else doesn't deserve to be making this money, but you know, 
there are going to be guys that, you know, go join sports teams just for the clout so that they can do this now. And I mean, they you know, they're clout chasers already. You're not going to stop it. You're not going to stop people from getting screwed over because whenever there's a winner, there's a loser and that's the way life works. But I think the biggest thing that you said is just being patient. I think there's a lot of excitement around this new rule. And I don't think that there's enough preparation for mainly the athletes. Mm, Yeah. And I loved your point about rolling it out in phases, even, you know, okay. If you're a college athlete and, and I was going to say, and you're in college, obviously, (laughs) if there's a class in marketing or business partnerships, take it ASAP for sure. Get into it, hit up YouTube university. If you can't get into it, educate yourself. However you can with mentors, just your friends talk about it amongst each other. Be smart about this because like Teddy said, and I agree with you can get screwed. Many of you will get screwed. So, you know, be patient, make sure you're educated, make sure your ducks are in a row and make sure the partner, the brand you're partnering with, their ducks are in a row and their ethics and morals are they align with yours that's the number one thing at the end of the day totally like i know like with kanga like what we would do is like if like there's an athlete that wanted to rep some stuff with them like the first question i would ask them is like why like why like why do you want to work with us um i i want to know like obviously if you're a well-known athlete i want to work with you but like what are you passionate about? What's a story that like we can tell through you uh, to like do like a, a good social cause around it. And um, from there, it's like, what can, how can we pay you fairly? And ultimately like I'm, I'm going to always go, go for like a profit sharing model. Like that's just the way I like to do it is like, we're, we're going to help you on a content perspective and, you know, hook you up with new gear and, I want to do stuff that's tailored towards you and like that you can share your, what you're passionate about through, because I think that's how you're going to get that organic reach right there. Mm. And so it's um, all about organic authenticity. It sounds like a a little sign in the vegetable aisle at the grocery store, but organic authenticity is the number one thing that like, like you're going to grow that way. You're going to find and develop an audience that way. And, make sales that way yeah so i mean dude you know being authentic is everything if you're not authentic like you're not gonna last that long all right teddy so let's switch it up let's talk hawaii a year two ago before the pandemic before the world went awry you got the chance to go to hawaii how was that it was sick dude one of the prettiest places on earth that's for sure was that your first time that was my second time being in Hawaii. That was my first time on the North Shore. And that was my first time going when I was into film and photography. So it makes it all the better. It's like Disney World for adults, man. Like, I mean, if you are into that sort of stuff, like I love hiking, swimming, surfing, snorkeling, doing all of that, like sunsets, cliff jumping. Like, it. I mean, dude, waterfalls. I everything you can possibly think of that it just makes you go wow and have an appreciation for the world is there so you're doing the most in the most fun possible way like doing the most in a good way we we took that trip as a trip for fun uh when we went out um and uh 
Dude, I mean, we were packed. Like, we had a schedule, like, every single day. I mean, that's how I like to do life in general, man. Like, not scheduled, but, like. Fit a lot in. Oh, Get yeah. shit done and have fun. Shit you care about. On the weekends, man, like, I'm not going back to drink or party unless I've, like, you know, gotten up that morning, uh, gone, like, swimming, hit golf balls, worked out, like, gone on a hike and then, you know, ate dinner and then I'm ready to go like sit in the lake or like go to my neighbors and hang out or like go to the bars. Like I got to do stuff before like that reward at the end or whatever. But yeah. I I can relate to that a hundred percent. And I was actually going to say that same word. It's a reward at the end of the day, you know, to go celebrate a productive day. (laughs) Totally. And like most of the time you're so worn out, like, you, you don't I, you don't overdo it which is good you're not too banged up the next day because i mean i don't know working a job full-time now like I, I love what i do but at the same time like uh i don't live for the weekends but the weekends are my time to do everything that i want to do mm, and so i like, can relate yeah dude i'm i'm not missing a single second <laughs> so while you were in hawaii teddy the pipe masters were going on is that correct correct and so y'all were obviously filming it as any filmer in their right mind would. Yes. How was that? How crazy was it? It was it was a surreal experience. I mean, um, I think even more so than like filming the Pipe Masters was when uh, Ryan McCormick and I like sacked up and like swam out with our water housings uh, on the North Shore. And I think that was um, Ryan went back this past year uh, and and really, really stepped it up from what he and I did that first go around. Uh, But just being out there and knowing that it's like one of the most dangerous surf breaks, but like knowing like what you could capture there was a surreal experience. And um, I know we got sucked out and and we got caught in the rip current and uh, Brett Barley actually like came up to us, was like, yo, like, go swim like swim that way like there's a gnarly current right here uh and it'll spit you out and i mean he he's a he's an awesome dude for doing that but it was it was cool to see um how like going out there with a camera i'm not saying like everyone go out there with a camera but like we had talked to like you know connor trimble by chance yeah yeah yeah, so we had talked to we had talked to connor trimble and connor was like Hey, like he wanted to take us out together, but he was like, Hey, like today's a good day for you guys to go out. It's not too ridiculous. Like whatever. And, uh, it's only eight feet. Only yeah, eight feet. I mean, it's still crazy. Barreling. Barreling, but, like, <laughs> but it's not 20 feet. It's, exactly. It's, it's eight compared to 20. Yeah. Pipeline goes crazy. Yeah, no, it's, it's pipelines mental, but yeah, that, uh, I had, I had a whole new profound respect for that place after just uh got getting a little spooked there i know ryan this past year he he got uh i think he got sent over the falls by a wave onto the onto the the reef and he was just like some serious stuff you can be hanging out at like like on the edge of the break all day uh but you know the cleanup set comes through yeah what are you doing i mean (laughs) cooking it it's yeah i know it's, it's scary stuff um and so, yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't know if I'll ever swim out at pipeline again. Uh, did you, did you guys wear helmets when you swim out? Obviously you had fins, right? No, we didn't, but Ryan, no went fins and either? 
No, we had fins. We had fins. Okay. Uh, no helmets. But no helmets. But we should have had helmets. Like we didn't know. Um, but yeah. Ryan went back. I know Ryan went back and bought a helmet this following year. But that to me was cooler than uh, filming the Pipe Masters. What I started to realize after Hawaii was that I have a ton of respect for the surfers out there and athletes in general who do it professionally because they love it and not to win championships. And that was weirdly my takeaway from Hawaii. And so like one of my favorite surfers uh, to this day is Alex Smith. I, one of the oh, Smith fires, dude. And his, yeah. He's got such insane style. And I, I love how he, uh, he incorporates like, spins into his waves just like clean turns like whatever but like it's it's clearly like a style as opposed to as opposed to like the amount of like turns i do on here is how many points i get for the wave and like whatever and i you know that's why kelly slater is the best surfer in the world like you know competition wise and i think probably in general but like (laughs) i don't know but like i just there's something about the guys that just go out there and just do it and just do yeah. it because they love it and chase stuff on the side. And um, for me, like, see, it, we, cause we do, we witnessed the world championship, like, mm-hmm. which was crazy. And it's like, that's the Super Bowl of surfing that we just happened to be there for. And we were like, all right, that's, that's freaking nuts. But to me, uh, I was like, man, like, I'm, I'm here more for the guys that are just, I'm here more for like the crew that after the Pipe Masters was done all the young Groms that ran out uh, to the North shore and were absolutely sending it because they knew that every single big brand sponsorship was up on the shore. And like, Oh, wow. This is their shot to pull something off. And brilliant genius marketing minds of these kids. Oh my God. I wouldn't have not even thought about that aspect. I would have just been trying to get some fun waves. (laughs) Well, dude, I mean, we were looking at it. Like, I mean, I'm sure that's what a lot of them are doing, but like, I mean, you know, it's pretty heavy like north shore waves like after if you get a sick one some people are going to see it people are filming it it's going to be uploaded like you're going to get eyeballs all around you exactly get a good one that's what that's what like made me think about it i don't know if that's the ulterior motive but something tells me that like in the in their minds like i'm sure they're aware yeah you 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 gotta be aware you gotta be aware but um yeah dude i mean hawaii was unbelievable i i just after that i just uh, yeah, I'm, I'm more of a um, definitely more of a real life doing it because you love it sort of guy than competition guy. I feel that 100 uh, percent. I did a few comps in Florida, like college comps, which are yeah. super fun. Uh, never, never did well because like I shouldn't have like I'm not a great surfer compared to some of the guys in Florida, which are insane. Yeah. Uh, but it was a blast. Like I did it just to have fun. It's like a $15 entrance fee. And then all your friends are chilling at the beach all day. Like why not? You might as they got food trucks and t-shirts they sell. Like it's a fun time. So that's why I did it. But uh definitely respect to the guys that ended up end up winning those events and go on. My friend Parker from Virginia Beach. Shout out to Parker. Uh he's he's did the Mexican Mexa Mexi log fest, which is down in Mexico. Uh, I think that was like two, three weekends ago. Uh and he did fairly well. He advanced a few heats and a bunch of the best pros and semi-pros go to that every year. And it's like a fun party afterwards. Like that's what I part of what I love about uh, surfing events and whether it's 
whether it's a competition or a, a brand hosting something or whatever it may be, there's always a fun after party that's like exactly my vibe. <laughs> oh, for sure. I mean, the the culture itself is unreal. Um, mm-hmm. That uh, my my dad worked at uh, Burton Snowboards uh, when I was growing up. So I grew up in Vermont and uh, I remember going to the snowboarding competitions and stuff like that. And it the cultures are very similar. Uh, yeah. Snowboards a little bit more reckless. Uh, but uh, yeah, I mean, it, it, it's just cool, man. It's it's cool to see. It's cool to see people coming together over just like a hobby that everybody enjoys doing. And one yeah. that, uh, you know, there's not that big of a barrier to entry. You know what I mean? Traveling somewhere new and doing something adventurous is ultimately the only way to experience like a culture. <laughs> Nailed it on the header right there. Teddy, before we wrap this up, I have a little game for us. It's quick. All right. This or that photo or video video film or digital uh digital but i freaking love film my super eight is one of my favorite purchases i've ever made and that's uh film uh i'm not as into film photography as i am film videography but digitizing film videography and incorporating it in digital media I think is top notch. It separates yourself. It makes your content stand out. It's, it's, uh, there's a, what do you call it? There's a bit of like, people just love to see like a little throwback something, you know, like retro jerseys are always cool. Any, any type of throwback, anything people are like, oh yeah. And it makes them think for a second, like, oh, back to the seventies or whatever it is, you know? Yeah. yeah. Uh, so I, yeah, I've, I've loved seeing the content that you make from that super eight. It's super dope. And like you said, incorporating it into, you know, some of the shots are old school, super eight. Others are, you know, super modern Sony's or cannons, whatever it may be that you're using. Uh, so that mix of content is really sick. Understanding how different uh, formats uh, can affect the way that, a piece of content is consumed has been um, one of my favorite things I've been studying this year and trying to work on. Next question. Final cut or premiere? Premiere. Same. Tacos or pizza? Be careful how you answer this. Tacos. Teddy, what's one resource that you've learned a lot from, whether it be a book, another podcast, a creator themselves or a mentor? Yeah, dude. I mean, I mean, my dad, for one, has been one of the biggest mentors in my life. And same with my mom, just different areas, different walks and different perspectives. My grandpa as well. Um, being the oldest of three or of four, uh, learning a lot from my siblings. It's interesting to see how they approach life and how like each one of us does it differently. Um, from there, I would say like people, books and things that I've been able to look into and use as resources. Um, one of my favorite books is uh, how to win friends and influence people. I think that's uh, a great one. Just like understanding uh, how like, you know, us as humans can like create like a strong interaction and be um, authentic. And then uh, I actually learned like a lot of my stuff uh, through like memoirs. 
I love memoirs, like uh, stories of people's lives and like their perspectives yeah. and stuff like that, because and yeah. hearing about what they've done and what they learned from that and what they were going through before then, because I love to hear about how they've positioned themselves. Matthew McConaughey's book, Green Lights, was phenomenal. Uh, I read it twice. It was it was really good. That says something. Yeah, seriously, dude. I listened to it. Actually, I listened to it twice. It was, <laughs> it was really cool. Uh, and then. Let My People Go Surfing is a great one uh, f- by Yvonne Schwenard, founder of Patagonia. He tells you literally how the entire company runs. Um, and so if you have a knack for business and you want to start a business, it's a great book to do. And I say as far as like people, um, one of the guys that uh, I always like kind of looked up to and I admired his uh not necessarily the way that he walks life because I don't know enough about him in that sense, but I admire the way that he lives life is and he approaches things is uh, Rob Deerdeck. Mm. Uh, yeah, I just think like kind of like crazy ideas, like why, like people go, what are you really doing that? Like whatever, like, yeah, I, I mean, why, like why? Just because I want to, I want to experience it. I want to see it. I want to see, feel it, dude. Like I want to, I want to, um, just like pack as much into this life as I can and uh, be able to relate to as many people as I can. I think the more stories you can tell, the more opportunity you have to find a common ground with somebody else. And so uh, I think, you know, the way Rob Deerdeck has like approached uh, both business with real life has been absolutely brilliant and how he uses that to build brands uh, is super cool. And so uh, I, I think, I think he chooses experience first, which is something that I uh, really hope to continue to, to do. So was his fantasy factory part of the inspiration behind y'all's fun factory? For sure. Yeah, that's definitely where that came from. And the half pipe in the office. Like, honestly, that was just like where that came from. But um, I mean, yeah, I think the last thing uh, photographers, uh, I got a lot of people I look for for inspiration, but this is like one of my favorite questions. Yeah. uh, Photographers, uh, Chris Burkhardt um, Mm, is my favorite photographer. A goat. Yeah. And his films are phenomenal. Mm-hmm. The storytelling, the shot selection, uh, the audio design, just like, yeah, I, I love him, look up to him, like a yeah. goat in the industry for sure. So cool. Um, all his stuff is so raw too. It's just natural. It's mm. not um that's that's what I admired about it. It's not color graded to look like, you know, influence or whatever. It's it's nah. it's it's real, it's it's real, it's cool. Um, and then, uh, as far as, uh, videographers go, uh, Christopher Nolan. Okay. Yeah. Just, I love that he shoots everything on film. Uh, I think that's fascinating and I love how everything in his films is done in real life. And I Mm -hmm. think that's why they're always so good. Fire. You gave a lot of good shout outs and, uh, recommendations right there. So I'm definitely going to. And I hope everyone else does, you know, tune into all that information. And in time, I will have read all the books, watched all the films, followed all the creators. <laughs> well, let, <laughs> Just dude, give let, me a few weeks. Let me know. Let me know what you think of the think of the books. Yeah. I like you. I'm not going to read any of the books, but I'll definitely get the audios. So. Yeah. I'm, <laughs> I'm dyslexic, so I can't like I can read, but I, it's tough. So I listen. Fair enough. I do audio books. Yeah. Yeah. If I, if I tried to read right now, it would be definitely at like a third grade reading level. Like Mm -hmm. no bueno. At the end of the day, what's your blue ass water? If something, if something's going poorly, 
I always just think of the fact that I'm lucky to be doing what I'm doing right now, um, which always puts me right back. I, you know, I'm not going to say I'm like always positive, but I, I like to think I, for the most part, have a positive outlook on life. I don't really get anger. Isn't like an emotion that I really get that often. I get, <laughs> I get, I get stressed. Uh, that's for sure. Um, but like, I, so like up on my wall uh, in my office, I, I actually tilted towards you. I got like a calendar and all a bunch of Polaroids and everything. People that come in, I have them write, write quotes and stuff like that. I was, uh, I got into journaling this year cause I found it to be like a cool form of like reflection and like writing down thoughts and ideas and stuff like that. And, um, I think ultimately like what keeps me going is, uh, try like, I feel like I owe it to other people and myself to show them that you can live a life doing whatever you want. And like, even though, society tells you to do you know one thing like you can follow it and still be wildly successful in your own terms but it like more so the people that were like never good at school like were never good at uh reading writing whatever it is or just like had to work a little bit harder to do the average stuff um you know you you kind of always feel like you're kind of the underdog like in a sense or like or even like a little bit of an outcast like why don't i understand this or whatnot and uh, one of my favorite quotes I read this year is just like, think about an economy where everyone did what they loved, an economy fueled by purpose, unlimited demand, and always something to supply. And that's just what I always think about. I think if somebody did what, if everybody dedicated their lives to doing what they loved every single day, uh, we wouldn't have nearly as many of the problems we have to this day. I call that qualitative living. Love it. Teddy? Appreciate your time. Thanks for coming on the podcast. Absolutely, brother. It was a blast. What's up, guys? Thank you so much for sticking to the end. I learned a ton. I hope you did too. Teddy was phenomenal. Teddy, thank you again for coming on. If you haven't already, sub to the YouTube, like this video, follow us on Spotify, and uh, have a good 4th of July. Or I guess it's coming out Monday, so I hope you had a good 4th yesterday. I hope you're uh, feeling good today. But like I said, thanks for listening. Uh, We will see you next Monday. Peace.